Hi, I'm Nancy Marland Wolinski. My business is Nancy Marland Jewelry. I create silver jewelry with an inlay of polymer clay. I am influenced by mid-century modern um, decorative arts. I come from a background of graphic design and fine arts. And, um, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. My work is kind of on the playful, whimsical side of the design spectrum. And uh, it's, it's, it's very enjoyable. Hi, Nancy, how are you? Hi. Um, you know what, I have to say that um, I, this is, I mean, so you are, I live in a town called Marblehead, Mass. You're not from here, but I met you here um, because you were at an artisan fair and um, there's a lot of different designers, et cetera, that are here. And I, and I love it because I just have your card because like, I'm like, I need to keep her card. Um, and I saw your jewelry and it was just so unique that I'm like, oh, I need to talk to her. And then we were, talk we were talking a little bit and then you had so much more of a story. I'm like, oh, we need to talk about this. Okay, this is good. Because you are a perfect person to be on this podcast. So I, I started this podcast um, at the uh, start of the pandemic. Um, I thought it was going to be three weeks, something to do. Uh, little do we know it's um, we're like we're like over a year, um, and um, I've interviewed um, close to about over 178 businesses around the world, and I want to always bring in more people because um, one of the reasons why I started the podcast was I used to work in the media, but also I was listening to a lot of my my I will they'll they will always be my media colleagues my media colleagues saying that small businesses and entrepreneurs and innovators were dead and like. Well, that's literally impossible because that's like 85% of the world's economy. So I wanted to prove this by having you guys share your story. But on another note, if we pick up our iPhones, we know it's Steve Jobs. If we pick up our computers, we know it's Microsoft and it's like um, Bill Gates, Harper Production, Oprah Winfrey, um, Amazon, um, Jeff Bezos. Why is it that we don't know the stories of our small businesses that are right outside our door? So with all that being said, I wanted to actually learn. I want people to learn who you are and where you came from. So I always say, before we learn about the business, let's talk about who little Nancy was. Where are you from? Where are you? Where are you from? And tell us your story from a uh, little Nancy to college. Wow. I get to really dig in here. Um, this is great. I love what you're doing and I'm just so happy to be part of it. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, I grew up in a small town in Connecticut, Old Saybrook. And I was kind of a shy kid, but I demonstrated fairly early on in my life that I had talent. I, I could always draw a portrait and people recognized who I was drawing. I, um, there was a, I remember this school, you know, did you guys have these school, these class, um, you know, stage things that you did in elementary school where the whole class got involved with one particular thing. Well, I was going to do a duet um, with this girl who ended up getting sick. And so I had to do it on my own. And so I had to be out there and sing this song. It was a ballad, you know, <laughs> I think I was in sixth grade and, you know, and people really responded. And I, I realized at a young age that I had, you know, these gifts and my dad kind of pushed me, you know, a little bit into fine arts. And so I went to the Art Institute in Boston and with the idea that I was going to study um, graphic design and illustration. And I ended up moving into fine arts. And I think I needed, I didn't want to be pushed to do commercial work just so quickly. I really wanted to explore you know, what made me tick and, you know, what fine art was about. And, and so that was good at the time. But after I left um, the school, I ended up working in graphic design and I did I'm that. I'm going to pause you for a quick second. You uh, jumped over an, an entire genre of who Nancy <laughs> is. Like you just like, it just was like, wait a second. We went from dad to college. I'm like, wait a second. There's like a lot going on there. Um, so uh, one, what was it that your parents saw in you that they're like, I mean, you're definitely arts. Cause I mean, a lot of parents, are, the arts are hard. I mean, arts are hard. And so parents try to persuade their, their, their children to go into things that are a little bit more stable. Yeah. So what was it that they saw in you that they were like, you know what? I go, she has something in her that we're going to like 
make sure that she sees where, how far it can go. So that was number one. Number mm -hmm. two, what was the talent? I mean, was it singing? I mean, this young lady got sick, but what was it that you did on stage? And, and then again, what did people see in you that all of a sudden you're like, oh my God. Um, and was a drawing that people could recognize, was that something that catapulted your dad? So there's a lot of, there's three different questions that yeah. I kind of put it out of order, but that, that was like a, the essence of it. But also when you were younger in school, were there anyone else or was it just your family that saw the talent and then you, they just kind of pushed it over. So school with a, with a talent, um, with talent, your parents, your art. Okay. Well, I'll start with my father because, um, I, you know, and I did say he kind of pushed me, he was an entrepreneur. So he was somebody that had no trouble going out on a limb. And that's what he did most of his life. You know, he, uh, he built a business, successful business. Um, later he, you know, he went out on other limbs that broke, but anyway, he, for, for a long time, he, you know, he was a very successful businessman. And I think that he just sort of had that, you know, that he was able to project that. And I was able to pick so much of that up. I mean, I, I really think that a lot of who we are is in our DNA. And, you know, we're starting to um, see, uh, hear about, you know, studies, scientific studies that actually confirm that too. So, you know, my dad's DNA was definitely something that, that I picked up um, and that he was able to say, you know, she, she's got it. She's got something um, in terms of, uh, so coming back to the child, the, uh, you know, what people recognized, uh, you know, it's hard to talk about because I'm a bit modest and I, I don't want to brag, you know, <laughs> well, this is the good thing about this podcast. I allow you to brag. It's okay. It's good. Cause we, I mean, you know, the thing is we have to know who we, I mean, to understand what you're doing and how, where you are right now, we have to understand. And I think that's one of the things that people take for granted and they have the aha moments like, oh, I've been doing this all my life. And then they forget until I come and say like, I want to understand. So it's not bragging. It's more for the, it's, you know, this is research and development for me, research and development. <laughs> yeah, one thing that my father actually really instilled in me also was this idea that even though you have this talent, you know, that doesn't make you necessarily better or more special than anybody else because, you know, every kind of thing that people do requires different talents. And mm -hmm. I just happen to have a talent of being able to sing on pitch. Um, I have the talent of hand-eye coordination. You know, I'm very reflective. I'm looking for, you know, I'm, I'm looking to pay attention to what's around me so that I can, you know, uh, build a language, you know, in an artistic way around those things. Um, so I think um, I remember my sixth grade teacher really recognizing you know, that portrait that I drew, it was a self-portrait. And he was like, oh my God, you know, he picked it up and was like, you know, it was, it stood out. <clears throat> and then it was the same grade. It was Mr. Shea. <laughs> I had such a crush on him. <laughs> um, he, where's, Mr. where's Mr. Shea right now? I don't know. He had, he, he developed some really bad back problems and he had to leave. But anyway, <laughs> I missed him, but, um, but he, you know, seemed to be kind of this pivot for me, you know, in sixth grade between the, the recognition of my visual talent and the recognition of my singing, you know, talent, you know, and I sing today. I, um, I, I used to sing with an acapella group for 20 years and now I sing with my husband's band. We, you know, we have a couple of voices. He plays drums and we have a, you know, a, a band called the Navigators and yeah, anyway. So, nice. I love it. I love it. I, I love, well, I love the fact that you never left it behind. Cause that's one yeah. of the things where some people, sometimes like you hear that I, you know, like I, I started, like I went to college, I started doing things. I don't know. I don't have time for singing anymore. And singing is something that just like running, you could just do it anywhere at any time. Oh yeah. Oh, got it. You know, the acapella group was like a lifesaver. There's something really, really healing about, you know, small group ensemble harmony, you know? Um, yeah, it was really powerful point in my life to be part of that group. But, um, 
but then, you know, getting back to, um, I'm trying to remember some of your other questions. In regards to your, your teacher, the, uh, how he saw, what he saw in you, um, the young lady that like lost that, she lost her moment because like she got sick. And if you hear those moments like on Broadway all the time, um, but you were, and you were noticed. I mean, so that was the time that you were noticed by your, your school. So I wanted to find out more so in regards to the balance of your family pushing your arts as well as school pushing your arts to where you are in, what, then you decide going into college. So where, like we're talking about your parents, we're talking about school. Now, what's your decision in regards of like what you're gonna do when you go to college? Yeah. You know, it almost seemed like there wasn't much conflict for me. You know, I think I recognized pretty early that I wanted to be in the arts, um, you know, for some of the obvious reasons. It was almost later, I think, when I was in my 20s and 30s that I, I was a little bit more confused about, you know, where I wanted to um, push this work. You know, I was, <clears throat> I'm a very practical person. I am a Virgo. I, you know, I have kind of this dual brain thing and very organized. And so, you know, the graphic design really worked and worked for me. You know, it gave me um, the ability to make a living and it was creative enough. I, I got, and one of the things too, is that I really wanted to work with other people. You know, that ensemble thing was really important to me. Working in a publishing environment was, was really wonderful as a so graphic designer. Going back a little bit, I'm so sorry to rewind. So when you went to college, I mean, did you go in knowing that you wanted to be a graphic designer or did you just kind of find your way? So um, that's where like, I'm, I'm, there's a gap there where, what, yeah. what, I mean, you mentioned graphic designing, uh, but the singing, the artwork, what, did you know this is what you wanted to do once you got into school or did someone lead you in regards to like, hey, we see the talent, this might be, because again, your arts could, could have brought you into so many different directions. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I just remember being confused and foggy mm -hmm. about um, exactly what I wanted and needed. You know, it seemed appropriate to go in for graphic design. You know, I think I recognized fairly early that I commercial art was going to be a direction for me. Mm -hmm. um, but when I got there, I, I don't know, the work was in, you know, the work was the type of work that I wasn't really interested in doing at the time. I think I, I really wanted to explore the fine arts. And so I was happy that, um, that I was able to switch that major and got into painting. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and it gave me kind of a, a way to kind of grow up. I, I mean, I was, I think I, I think of myself as kind of a late bloomer, you know, um, I was, my head was in the sand until my probably late twenties. I mean, I'm not kidding. I think, you know, kids probably grow up a little bit quicker today, but back then, um, you know, I was sort of, you know, my parents went through a divorce, you know, in my early twenties. I mean, there were things that kind of interrupted some of that growth, not that it's their fault at all. It, you know, it was just sort of the circumstances at the time, but, um, but yeah, so I think uh, it took me a while to, I, I mean, I look back and I think I really kind of fell in to certain things just out of the fact that it was there and it was available. I mean, after leaving college, um, I ended up getting a, a job working at the tab. I don't know if you remember the tab, this the little newspaper newspaper. So I did paste up back in those days, it was paste up. And um, I, I worked in this just wonderful little group of women, mostly that were putting together these ads for the paper. And, you know, and I, you know, so it was kind of an opportunity to just sort of climb the ladder of graphic design. Mm -hmm. From there, I became an assistant art director for another magazine. And then from there, I became art director for a technology magazine. And, you know, so the money was good. And, and then over time, um, paste up went away and the computer came in and I was able to do it all myself. Yeah. So that led me to be able to be self-employed. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so I became a self-employed graphic designer for almost 30 years. I was self-employed. And well, what yeah. was it? I mean, what was the major thing that you learned during that time? Because you are um, in the, I mean, so you started your career. Um, and I mean, I started when I started my career in the media radio and I always, my interns laugh at me because we had to pull, pull carts and they're like, what are carts? I'm like, well, there are eight track carts that you had yeah. to pull out and you had to stack yeah. them up. And then the DJ would just put them in the slot and the song would play and pull carts. Yeah. And they were like, oh my God, that so, sounds so archaic. And I'm like, it was, it was the most archaic thing in the world. Oh, and I when know. you think about how music is done now, where a lot of my friends that still work in radio and they're just like, everything's on the computer. So how was it in regards of how did you keep yourself relevant? Um, you're learning all these different things, but you kept yourself so relevant where you became uh, yourself, you owned your own business. Um, how yeah. was that transition? What did you learn? What would you say to anybody that's listening about the, when you're working in any industry, as you're growing into it, what should you pull out of it so that way you can actually grow from it? Because sometimes people are like, I'm just going with it. It's kind of going through the emotions, but they yeah. don't realize every single step is a learning process. So what was your learning process throughout being that, like being part of a team, small team, but a very unique team to owning your own business? I just, um, I will say that... <laughs> And again, I don't mean to brag, but <laughs> stop saying that you're, we're not bragging. We're just talking. All right. All right. So I, I have an incredibly serious work ethic. I, you know, when I worked for my father, when I was a teenager, they wanted to clone me. I wasn't your average boss's daughter, you know, who kind of took advantage. I was, you know, I worked in the mail room and, um, and I just used my time in such a way I played with the clock. I mean, I was, it was like a game to me. I, you know, the whole idea was to sort through this mail. It was part of the business. It was publishing business. And part of the business was sorting mail, um, you know, junk mail. It was advertising, mm -hmm. marketing. That was his form of marketing. And, you know, so the mail room that I worked in, you had to sort through this mail and bundle it up and get it ready for the post office. So you'd get this big skid, you know, of, of mail, you know, of letters. And I was going through that stuff like gangbusters. And um, so, you know, at any job that I've ever had, I think I just, you know, I bring a lot to the table because I, you know, I, I'm looking for the patterns. I'm looking for the way to be organized about it. I'm listening, you know, to what, you know, my boss or client needs. I, you know, I'm really trying to service them well. You know, it's not about me. Um, it's a collaboration, you know, and the quality of the work that you want to be doing needs to be at a certain level. And, um, you know, and I think just being sensitive to what that level is. I remember one of the um, classes that I had at the Art Institute, we studied um, the art of motorcycle maintenance. We had Ooh. this teacher, um, he was all about talking about what is quality, you know, and it's really hard to put your finger on because, you know, it's, it's on a spectrum and, <clears throat> but, you know, I think that it's really important to get that, you know, and to that service element. And even as I build these products, um, you know, making sure that they're good quality, that they're going to, you know, not fall apart, that um, they're not, there's no dent, you know, you know, that stuff happens. And, but, um, you know, and that, if somebody's unhappy or, you know, some, you know, lost an earring or something broke, you know, you happily make it right. You know what I mean? Um, I think all of those things really come into play when you're a business owner, entrepreneur, and, and just, you know, the attitude in which you, you know, the, the good stuff in your personality that, that you bring, you know, can really play a big, big role, you know, being helpful uh, rather than, um, stubborn, you know, <clears throat> I, I feel that, um, uh, customer service, I mean, and I say this often, customer service is dead on so many different levels because the, everyone, I mean, everyone 
took the whole entire concept of the customer is always right to the next level of downhill. Um, same thing with Casual Friday went over, it went over and then downhill. Um, we are, we, I mean, I see in small businesses, I just like, I shouldn't say we, but I see in small businesses that you, you guys take, we take a little bit more time to realize we made a mistake and we're going to fix it right now. Um, and not all, but most small businesses understand that our bread and butter are our neighbors, not just like the person that, that's coming from another town. They're usually our neighbors. Our neighbors will not only buy from us, but our neighbors will always also be our best salesperson by saying, oh my God, did you see one of Nancy's brand new pieces? Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the things that people forget where um, that customer service, that the, 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 the little, those little things that you can do for someone means a yeah. lot because they're moving so fast as well. And so when they're able right. to encounter someone like that, that's, that's fantastic. So um, you, for 30 years, you had your own graphic design business. Um, big companies, small companies. Um, was it a large team? Was it just you? Like, how did it? How did you do with that? I mean, because like you, you obviously stayed with it for thirty years. Yeah, um, it was just me. I, you know, had um, you could go to marlanddesign.com and see. You know, I still have that website up. You can see some of the work. You can. There's a client page. I mean, I had clients ranging from. Um, arts organizations like the Boston Classical Orchestra um, to Indian Hill Music, which is out in Acton, um, to, you know, high tech companies, the e-learning guild, which was based in California. And, um, you know, and I had really long histories with these people, you know what I mean? Because they knew they could count on me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And yeah, that, that is so key is building those relationships and, you know, maintaining them well, you know, it's never perfect. There's always, there's always something that goes awry somewhere, but, um, but that, that's yeah, human nature. Yeah. I mean, so I, I did a lot of different things. Um, lots of different clients. Um, I bartered a lot. I mean, I, I still barter, you know, uh, I love bartering and, you know, just uh, everybody needs a graphic designer at some point in their lives. <laughs> I always say everyone needs marketing in their lives. I go, it's, it's, it's oh, I mean, you wake yeah. up in the morning, you wake up in the morning and you decide if you're going to brush your teeth or not. I'm like, I go, you've already started marketing right there. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. So from your company of 30 years, like how do you transition? I mean, like, so, I mean, are you, I mean, where, I mean, where do you live right now? I'm in Swampscott, right? You're in Swampscott. Okay. You're yeah. in Swampscott, um, town that's next to um, my town of Marblehead. So um, why did you transition from a 30-year career to what you're doing right now? How did that happen, I should say? And also, yeah. what did your family think of it? Well, my dad had died long before, um, and my mom actually died the year that I started my jewelry business. But, you know, I think she was happy for me in that, you know, the graphic design industry was really changing. You know, when we first got hold of the computer, it was like, oh my God, we were riding this wave, you know, of possibility. And, and, and it was really fantastic for many years. And then the wave started to kind of come down as, as people, more and more people were able to use the computer to do graphic design themselves. And the, you know, the whole nature of the relationship with customers really changed because, you know, they could do half the job themselves and they just, I don't know, it was really changing for me and I was getting a little bit more, you know, fed up. <laughs> so I, I realized it took me a number of years, I was really asking the universe because I, you know, jewelry, if you had asked me 20 years ago about jewelry, that would have been completely crazy because I grew up a tomboy. I, I never wore jewelry. I very rarely wear jewelry even now, I, I admit. But but it um, little by little, I, I stepped into ceramics. I'd also, you know, gotten really passionate about woodworking and I wanted to be a fine work, you know, furniture maker. Mm -hmm. It was a show at the BU, um, at the B, uh, no, at the MFA. And it was based on um, the program in artisanry at the BU. 
uh, at BU. And I was so turned on by that. And I, I went and did that detour. I learned how to do some uh, fur furniture making. And, uh, but then, you know, that became somewhat impractical because there's that practicality in my head. Um, so ceramics was a passion and it still is. I, I still, I've come back to ceramics, mm -hmm. but after doing about five years of ceramics, um, you know, just nights and weekends, because I was still maintaining my graphic design business mm -hmm. and I wasn't really getting a huge amount of traction in ceramics, but I got my hands on silver metal clay. And when I did that, I, I took a, a little class at a, a little shop and um, and I started to realize that I could make something really sculptural out of this silver clay. And what you do with it is you put it into a kiln and you fire it and it becomes silver, you know, cause it is silver. It's just powder with added water. And um, wait, so I didn't, I, so I didn't wait, I didn't realize this. Um, wait, yeah. silver, you can silver comes out of powder. What? Yeah. You can um, silver, um, fine silver, is can be made into a very very fine powder mm -hmm. they add some kind of binding it's like a five percent i don't know quite what it is but it's added yep. and then you just add water and you create the consistency of the um of the silver that you want to work with and and it, you can you can get it you know already you know in a clay form but yep. you can also get it as a powder and so i got myself a little kiln and I, you know, created these pieces and that was when my water collection was born. Um, so in the process of discovering, you know, what I was going to do to make a living, you know, because I needed to, you know, I, I brought in a lot of what we survive with, you know, fi financially here in this house. Yep. And so, you know, but again, I think the, you know, the DNA of having the, my father's, you know, entrepreneurial spirit in my DNA gave me the confidence and the, you know, uh, drive, you know, to be able to decide because it is not for the faint of heart. You know, I mean, when you're moving into a creative business, you are going to get a lot of rejection, especially mm -hmm. at the beginning. I mean, thank God for me, I had a lot of um, fake it till you make it skills like the graphic design I could sort of I could take good pictures I could make a website that looked like I was really professional but I will admit the stuff that I started out with was pure schlock <laughs> and it took me a while to really you know to learn it 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 does really take those thousand hours I mean ten thousand hours I should yeah. say it really does it it you know and now after five or six years of doing this mm -hmm. um I'm feeling, you know, like, wow, I'm, I've built this foundation that's working now. And I can, I can really, I can see that it's picking up. It's kind of taking off. What is the way, what are the, the, you started your company is five years. I mean, so, I mean, in essence, you've had two companies. I mean, like, I mean, for 30 yeah. years and then you're reinventing yourself and you create this new company. You're a serial yeah. entrepreneur. I mean, like it's, it, you talked about how it's in your DNA, but you are a serial entrepreneur without even realizing it. Um, and yeah. you're, you're showing the world where there's just more, I'm more than just one show. I have many shows in me. So yeah. what are the highs and lows of starting a new business, still in a creative, in a, in your, in creativity, but it's a whole different skill set. Um, yeah. And you're dealing with, I mean, and I'll give you an example of, I have um, a client that's a doctor and he's like, I, go, I went to medical school. I'm a doctor at MGH. I go in and now I'm converting myself into a speaker where I don't want to be the medical person. Touch, I, I want to speak. I want to teach um, on a higher level. So he travels around the world and he had to build that brand of that. I'm the educator, but I'm, I'm still the doctor, but I'm doing it in a whole different way. You're still the artist, but you're doing it in a different way. So what were the highs and the lows for you in regards to starting this business after you've been, after you were very successful in the last one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the highs are, you know, just wow, you know, having the ability to create little wearable art pieces, you know, and well, you know, the high for me was realizing that this was a big problem to solve, 
you know, solving the problem of the engineering behind a piece that's going to hang well and be comfortable, solving the problem of being different in a huge, huge industry that, you know, is just crazy huge. Um, solving the problem of being able to produce things in such a way that you can sell them at stores. So, you know, there's a lot of problem solving and a lot of that stuff in the beginning, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know that I even had to solve those problems until I knew. And it really helped me in the beginning to um, hire a mentor from the industry. <clears throat> she was somebody that I, took a polymer clay class with and that was another good move for me is is getting into the polymer it it you know it's it's a great um material and it gives me a lot of flexibility yeah. with the silver it's a nice contrast to the silver um but you know she helped me um lay out my calendar okay this is what we're gonna have to do bang 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 you know you got to get those shows on the calendar you know um some of the lows, I had to really push them aside. I had to really compartmentalize as I was building this. You, you know, if you take those lows, oh my God, how big the industry is, how much competition there is, you know, is there, I even felt this guilt being another jeweler in this huge industry. And I felt, and I had to push all that aside because I, I finally made peace with it. It's like, yes, there is room for one more jeweler in this universe, you know? <laughs> you know, so it was a lot of thought and, and you know, having to really settle some of those doubts and, you know, in my mind and to stay focused and to move forward and to just keep putting that one foot in front of the other. And after a while, you really do feel like you're this little, um, you know, snowball going down the hill and it, it does pick up traction. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I remember her. Oh, and you know, now I've got clients that reorder in reorder, you know, and I never thought, I never even considered that a possibility in the beginning, you know, uh, <clears throat> but it really does grow. And I, I think um, persistence, it's huge, huge. I hope I answered that. <laughs> you did, you, and you answered it so well. I love it. Um, what are, um, what, what, I, actually, I'm You are working from home, you are a designer, uh, you're dependent on going out and seeing people and showing your work. Um, the pandemic starts, there's a buzz. There's a buzz, something going around Italy, China, there's a buzz. But all of a sudden, March, mid-March, we're shut down. The, the country is, well, especially in the Northeast, we're shut down. And then by April, everything is shut down. Um, what did that do for, how, what did you feel at that time? And what happened to your company to this point where that we are right now? Yeah. Well, 2019 was an enormous year for me. I mean, I was like, wow, this is really happening, you know? So I, I cast a lot of components, um, you know, when I build a piece, you know, um, the, this takes three components, for example. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, I built those originally and then I cast them and it's a lot of what a lot of jewelry designers do. And I, um, I decided at the end of 2019, I'm just going to cast a ton of stuff for 2020. You know, I spent thousands on the stuff that I cast and thinking, oh yeah, 2020, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then boom, you know, we were actually in Florida, um, at a Vero Beach show under the Oaks. It's a fantastic show. And we were there one day, it was that Friday, Friday the 13th, we got the word, go home. <laughs> so that's what we did. We went home and <clears throat> it was like, wow. You know, I mean, and 
the pandemic sort of unfolded as it unfolded. I, I don't know if anybody knew, you know, how long this was going to last and how it was going to impact people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, one thing I, I do uh, credit myself for is that all along I have been gathering email emails from people that visit the booth. And I think shows are very important to my business and I enjoy them because it puts me in front of people. But all of those um, emails that I had collected, I think I had about 1500 at that point. I could then email, you know, people and say, Hey, and I'm giving this, you know, and, and for the first six months or so I was giving you know, discounts for the work and, and I was pulling in some orders and, um, you know, I had to kind of, um, fine tune a lot of my online offerings, you know, just to kind of make them easier for people to really connect with and Mm -hmm. know what they were ordering. Um, and one thing that kind of surprised me, I mean, in the beginning, I thought, ah, oh, you know, we're all kind of in this boat. We're all down for the count for a while. Yeah. You know, this is going to give me a lot of opportunity to be creative and do things that, you know, that I had been putting off or didn't have time for. Mm-hmm. But I found myself with very little inspiration or very little drive to be creative and I, I think that that was a common problem for artists. I had sprained my ankle really badly in the beginning. And so I started getting into all those really great TV series. <laughs> and so what was, spent, what was your favorite? Oh gosh, so many. I mean, don't um, say Tiger King. Don't say Tiger King. Oh, well, we did watch that, but we watched this little one. I don't know if it's everybody's cup of tea, but my husband and I really enjoyed it. Uh, called off offspring I think yeah offspring it was this Australian um, uh, obstetrician who you know crazy family eight seasons you know we could really get through a lot in that one and you know the thing that my husband and I really talked about and decided I mean the politics as we know were just horrible I mean it was just disgusting to watch what was going on there and so we did not want anything dark. Whatever yeah. we watched, it was going to be light and fun and just live vicariously through the characters of a fun series. So we, we, we watched a lot of comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, uh, you know, we, we just had fun with it because, but yeah. Well, all right. So do you have children? We have two daughters. You have two daughters. So, um, you have the, this business. You thought it was going to be an epic year. A yeah. pandemic is happening. You have your husband now at home with you as well. Were the daughters at home as well? Um, Meredith, my younger daughter, was at uh, UMass. And mm-hmm. so she was um, still there because she had an apartment, but she was mm-hmm. online, but she had an apartment. So she was there. And Lauren, my older daughter, um, was home. Yeah, she she got a job fairly soon after it started working for the Broad Institute. It's a um, big lab in Cambridge and they started doing um, COVID testing. So mm-hmm. she got a job doing that. So that kept her busy. And so my husband actually went to the office. He was the only person going to the office. So it almost, you know, in some ways it didn't seem abnormal because okay. he was out of the house, Lauren was working, you know. Um, <clears throat> Yeah. So, so, but, but, but you are now, all right. So pandemic, people are coming in and out of your house. Um, the world is, yeah. the world yeah. is shut down. Um, you have a, your own business and then you're still trying to keep like, okay, what's going to happen. So how did you balance everything? I mean, you, like you're the mom, you're the mom, you're the wife. I go in and most people lean to you for the, is everything going to get better kind of situation. And yet you're a business owner you're an entrepreneur. How did you balance everything? Because I think that's one of the things that I'm always in awe of, of how do you keep yourself balanced with so much noise? And yes, the politics. And then of course, then we'll call the, the, the politics. And I, and I always see the pandemics. There was a like xenophobia. There's Black Lives Matter. There's the politics. There's so much noise out there. How are you keeping yourself in a place where like, okay, how does the creativity come out of, out of me with all of this noise happening? 
because there are so many people that have businesses and you just said where the, the world just sucked the life out of you and you're like, okay, I just want some happy things. So what else did you do? Um, because I think that people are still struggling right now where you're being asked to go to work. You, um, your, your kids are, it's, it's like, you know, it's the season where your kids are home a little bit more. So people are just like, I can't do it myself. How do you pull yourself out of it? So how, like, what did you do? How did you do it? How did you like, find that way of getting a creativity back in your life? I started focusing on one of a kind pieces. Um, you know, I have <clears throat> I have a sketch pad filled <laughs> with ideas. You know, um, and I I also had built some pieces that I hadn't quite gotten to, and I my Mod Pod um, collection was born in you know throughout that year. Um, I'm using gemstones in that collection. I wanted to try something a little different and um, made a decision that that was going to be kind of a custom order piece uh, collection, you know, that's made to order um, because of the gemstones. But, um, you know, it was hard. I, I kind of had the comfort of knowing that I wasn't the only one in this boat that had just been you know, stopped in the middle of the ocean, you know, with all the turbulence. I wasn't the only one there. I think one of the things that always helps is, for me at least, you know, is, you know, cooking and, and making sure that we have a good meal on the table every night, good home-cooked meal, you know, that it, one of the good things I got from my mother was she was a foodie and, you know, she's a good, she was a good cook and, you know, so kind of having that sort of grounding is, is really good. Um, <clears throat> and then just, I don't know, just reading and <laughs> I don't know. It, it was definitely a very trying time from a position of creativity. Mm -hmm. um, one of the, I, I bought a lot of books. One of the really cute books I bought was this one steal like an artist oh i want to keep that one i'm gonna write that one down still tell yeah. me about it um this this is a great book to to help you to pull yourself out of that ditch of mm -hmm. not knowing um where you're going you know i always everybody who studies art has that professor that's or you know who's the famous person that said you know uh, great artists steal mediocre artists borrow and part of you doesn't quite understand, you know, what do you mean? Steal, you know. Um, and this book kind of helps put all of that in perspective in a very nice, easy, bite-sized manner, you know. Mm -hmm. Start copying what you love. Copy, 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 copy. At the end of the copy, you will find yourself, you know. And, and, and I think that's true. I, you know, you um, good theft versus bad theft. Um, you know, we're not plagiarizing, we're, right. we're stealing, you know, the passion and inspiration that went into um, those other works. Um, I think that's so, a good, well, as I say, I think that's a, a wonderful thing that you just brought up because, so during the pandemic, um, I went to the Met. I mean, I grew up, yeah. I mean, so I grew up in New England, but 90% um, of my American um, relatives, I'm first generation born in America, 90% yeah. of my American relatives live in New York. And a lot of like, like in New England, we all work at ice cream shops or we're lifeguards when we're younger. In New York, they all work at the Met. So when you're in college and high school, everyone works at the Met. And so yeah. I grew up, like, I mean, every time we were in New York, we were always at the Met. We could just run around. It was just like the most, a magical thing where to be a kid and just have this entire museum, but you're surrounded by tourists. I mean, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of tourists. It's a very large museum. Um, during the pandemic, it was empty. And I saw this on the news where like the Met is empty. And I'm like, oh, what? So I got up early. I recruited one of my neighbors. I'm like, I go, let's go to the Met. I'm like, I'm going to drive. We're going to New York for the day. We're going yeah. in and we're going out. And it was surreal to be yeah. in the Met. And it wow. was no exaggeration. I mean, I was there from, we got the first tickets at 10 o'clock. We left at like um, 2, 33 o'clock. And it was like 200 people at that, at most 200 people to be in the Met. I'm videotaping like, this is surreal. Absolutely yeah. surreal. Because we had that time, we got to see a lot of the art and you, we had, there was a Van Gogh exhibit and there mm -hmm. was the 
students that were under Van Gogh. They mm. painted, they drew exactly his art, exactly, but yeah. their own style. So was it theft or was it not theft? It was not because they were inspired by their teacher and they put their own little perspective and their own style, their own coloring to something that we're, we've known all our lives. And they had these pictures side by side. And I mean, to a person that didn't know, you would you would assume this is, if you were buying, like, this is a Van Gogh, I'm like, no, it's a student of Van Gogh. But it was just such a complimentary act for me where I'm like, you love this teacher so much that you were able to take the best of that art and then literally make it your own. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, and I I think you grow into this knowledge as an artist that um, you can't help but be yourself. Yes. You know, I mean, um, I was always so afraid of looking like somebody else, you know, and the mentor at some point, you can't look like somebody else because you're you, you know. Mm-hmm. I, yes, there are those, you know, those things, those overlaps, but that's just part of living in this world, you know. It is, it is an overlap. There is nothing new under the sun. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, we, we definitely don't, we're not reinventing the wheel. I mean, I always say to people is in the same token where one idea is yours, 99 are stolen. So, um, yeah. so keep that in mind. Um, where do you see, I mean, like at the beginning of the conversation, you said that, um, oh my God, not, a, not another art jewelry artist. Um, the, it's like the market is extremely saturated. Um, where do you see the industry going? Because um, for me, I'm all about the individuality of the person. I mean, like, I mean, I I love chokers. Um, I'm a big I'm a big fan of just beauty. That's just that's that makes you stand out. Um, but there's also that whole entire cut and copy, cut and copy. I mean, well, I travel a, lo- a lot overseas. Obviously, not right now. But I buy my clothes and I buy my jewelry. I buy a lot of things overseas unless I see something that makes it pop. I mean, and your art pops. So. Mm. Where do you see the overall industry going? Because now you're, this is your industry. Um, yeah. And you're seeing a lot of um, big, big um, uh, artists, I mean, big um, jewelry stores going out of business. Those malls where people go going out of business, these big jewelry stores, not as entertaining for people anymore. What happens now? I mean, pandemic, I feel like everyone had to start having a lot of aha moments. Uh, where, yeah. where, where do you think the industry is going now? I think the industry is so big that there are so many different pockets available to artists to plug into. Um, 3D printing is a big area that is is really, um, you know, and I, I use it to a certain degree as well. It's a tool in the toolbox, the way the computer was as a graphic designer that gives me the ability to be independent. You know, so 3D printing, not that I, um, you know, my pieces are you know, all handmade, but I use 3D printing in the process to develop um, prototypes for certain components and things like that. So, you know, I don't, hard to know exact I mean and there's plenty of people using 3d printing of things you can buy a 3d printer now for relatively inexpensively and there are uh jewelry designers using those plastic nylon prints and selling them you know Mm -hmm. um so that's one area another area is uh, I I recently bought this book um the new politics of the handmade and You know, talking about repurposing um, things, you know, repurposing garbage and, mm-hmm. um, you know, making it a little bit more sustainable, you know, and sort of plugging into, you know, um, the politics of, of taking care of the planet yep. um, through jewelry and making more of a statement. Um, so there's that kind of stuff going on. I think... You know, I'm hoping that, you know, doing handmade works is always going to appeal to the person wearing the piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I've never been in the business of doing, um, you know, the really, really high-end diamonds and pearls. That's just not my focus. But, yeah, it, it's, you know... There's just, it's just so huge, the industry, that there's so many possibilities. And it's, it's, 
hard to put my finger on them, but because I'm relatively still new, but you know, technology is a big one. And um, you know, how we market, how we, I still love, you know, getting one-on-one -on -one with people. And I, I, I hope that that never changes. I mean, some people will argue that it is changing, that it's all becoming online and you do have to be prepared, you know, and, and make an online presence. But um, I get so much from being in person with people. And I think people get it too. <clears throat> what, I, I, who, I mean, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, who is, I'm so sorry to interrupt. I, I, I didn't wanna step on your last word that you said. Um, who's your best customer? And why are they your best customer? Like what makes them the best customer for you? I would say my best customer are older women, you know, over 40, uh, 35, 40, um, up to, you know, 80. Um, those are my best customers because they're not afraid to wear something a little different. They're, you know, I mean, I could get a lot bigger and bolder with my work and, and I may yet, <laughs> because, you know, there's really big stuff out there and, and that's a good thing, you know, um, but I'm still, you know, still sort of in this nice, easy mix of being different, but not being big, big, you know, big, crazy, different, not being, you know, my sort of sweet spot. I really do want to make wearable art, yeah. but I, but, and there's such wild stuff out there. I mean, there's really wild stuff. I have seen a lot of wild things and I feel like I go, you have to have a big neck. I mean, I have a smaller neck, but I mean, like I, I am always, I am really jealous of uh, tall or uh, I mean a full figure woman that has the next space where their art is really just like dynamic and I'm like I don't have like those big 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 pieces of jewelry I can't wear it just I would yeah. I would get lost in it um, and yeah. so I, I love that I mean I'm always so jealous of that next space yeah but you know and my thing too is comfort you know if I'm gonna wear jewelry I don't want to feel it you know yes. I don't even know it's there so you know I'm I'm making stuff that's comfortable that you know, is kind of, you know, a little bit of a, you know, uh, conversation piece, um, mm -hmm. you know, something a little different. And not I think that's, but I think that's, you're right. When you just said as a conversation piece, that's what I love. I love when I walk into someone's home and there's like some cool mm -hmm. things where like, okay, where did that come from? And then the conversation starts the jewelry. And, and that's what, I mean, I stopped at your booth and I was like, I've never seen something like yours. It really stands out. And there was like, I'm, I'm, I'm the, the, the um, nature fuels me. Um, I live by the ocean for a reason. I'm a Caribbean kid. I like, I, I'm a runner. I love being in the woods. I mean, I'm fueled by just nature and your tones are all very, they remind me of everything that the island kid would enjoy and love. And it just was like, that was step one. But step two, they're so unique where I was like, you were, I mean, like, I walked away and I stood by, by the side of your booth where you didn't see me but people were coming in talking to you. And I was just like watching their excitement of, oh my God, I mean, like they had never seen something so unique and so different. And that's what I love that you bring to the table that you're, you get people excited before them, before they even know who you are, what your jewelry is about, they stop and they're excited. And yeah. on, and the day that I met you, it was a drain, it was a rainy day. I mean, it was like, yeah. a, I mean, it was a rainy, horrible New England day. We've, like, we've had a lot of rain. Yeah. And, and you brought smiles to people's faces in such a short span of time and they stuck around and they looked and they're like, let me have your card. Cause I want to go back and reference. And I just love that you were able to do that without even realizing that like, you are bringing smiles on a rainy day. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I love being out in front of people with this. It really gives me so much pleasure. And, you know, and again, I, I had to kind of grow into the knowledge of that. I, because I didn't start out, you know, I, I made a practical decision to make jewelry. You know? But what I realize is that I am helping people. I'm well, maybe that's too. I, you know, I'm contributing to their sense of identity. Mm -hmm. And that's a real big plus for me. I love mm -hmm. the idea that when somebody puts on a piece of this jewelry, um, you know, they see themselves in it, you know, they they see something, you know, about how they want to project their, their identity a little bit. And that's really a thrill. It's a thrill for me. That's, I mean, that's amazing. Um, 
if someone, if you, if there's someone out there right now listening and they want to start their own business, they want to, they want to switch. I mean, they want a career switch. Um, what advice would you give a person that wants a career switch? Because during the pandemic, there were a lot of people that um, got laid off, uh, got furloughed, um, basically just like, I mean, they're, they're in their jobs, they're getting paid, but they just, they're not happy. And they're realizing that because they're at home and they're realizing this is not the place for me. What would you say to someone that um, is thinking about it, but they don't know where to start? I think the first step is to recognize the, um, the your strong suits. Um, that was always something, you know, I mean, in the beginning I was, <laughs> When I first thought, oh, I gotta get out of graphic design, I actually thought about creating dehydrated, um, artistic-looking food. <laughs> I was like, I know. love that you just said that because I mean, no, oh my god, I'm gonna pause you right there because oh my god, all right. All right. So um, my dad um, grew. I mean, like my my fam- like we have fruit trees in um, our my family's house in Florida, and. Um, when my dad died, um, my like we get mangoes every single year, nice big box of mangoes, and I and that, these were his babies, his mangoes, and his mangoes are the most amazing. I mean, whenever I get a box, my friends get mangoes, and they're like, we've never tasted mangoes like this. I go, I know, they're my dad's mangoes. I kept a seed, and there's one seed that I have from the year that he died, and I'm like, I want to make a necklace out of it, and I'm like, I but I don't want to try it and ruin the, the mangoes. So I have a, the the year after the backup mango to just double check it. So when you say that, I'm like, oh, I. I hear you. I hear you. All right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, well, oh, to collaborate with you on that one. <laughs> well, I had looked into the costs of dehydrators. I mean, it, it was way out of reach. So mm-hmm. I, but it, it also brought me back to the idea that, you know, I'm not a trained chef, you know, I'm really more of a trained artist. And yeah. um, so that's my advice. I mean, look inside yourself and, you know, what is the thing that, you know you have you know um, what is your strong suit and that's probably step one but step two is you know just to keep paying attention and looking around you you know what's going on what uh i don't know i i was i was asking the universe a lot you know what's my next move you know one small foot in front of the other um, and then learn how people go about it. You know, if there's something that that looks really interesting, find someone and, and really pick their brain about what's the day to day like. What you know, how do you, how did you do this? Yeah, how did you learn this? I ended up finding a mentor fairly soon. Uh, you know, in it um, within the first year. Um, <clears throat> if you look at my, you know, writing the blog was you know, a good thing to my very first blog called Redesigning the Designer. It kind of goes into a lot of, you know, what was going on and how I got from A to B. And um, yeah, so that that's my advice, you know, pay attention to that inner voice, understand the strong things that you bring. I love that. I, I mean, I really love that. I think that sometimes the people are looking towards other people to find that answer and they're not realizing that it's, it's right within, it's within and finding the things that yeah. you love the most are usually the things that you succeed in the most. Because um, yeah. if you asked me, um, if you asked me 15 years ago, whether I was gonna have my own business or even a podcast, I'm like, no, I love working for the man. I love working my paycheck. I love my insurance. I love all the things where I walk into work, I do my job, I walk out, that's what I love. And when the 2009 recession happened, I was given no choice. I'm sitting in an MBA class and I, the president of the school came out and told us, you guys are all overqualified and no one's going to hire you. Go live with your capstones. We're like, what? What do you mean? And it is, it was like, I mean, I, it wasn't a universe question. It was just like an entrepreneur by necessity, not by desire kind of a situation. Yeah. But 12 years later, I have my business and then the pandemic happens. And then the podcast, the podcast came out of nowhere where I was in the media for 10 years. I didn't want to go back to the media. I mean, I love the media, but I didn't want, I, I mean, never in, a, in my wildest dreams that I think I was going to do it again. And the pandemic said, Hey, there are some people that kind of need you. And so yeah. I'm, I'm happy that um, both situations happened. I mean, at the time they were like, really mm, can't believe this is happening. And, and if you had asked me 15 years ago, I would have said, absolutely not. But yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for those two situations, I would never meet an amazing 
like artisans like you. I mean, I would never meet entrepreneurs and serial. You're a serial entrepreneur. And I'm, I'm sure you never use the word, but I'm like, that's what you are. I that's call part of your DNA. I call it, I'm unemployable now. <laughs> mm. I'm just unemployable. <laughs> well, you know, and, and that's, a, that's definitely another conversation on yeah. our next conversation. I mean, definitely our next time when we talk because um, I was too, I was overqualified. And so unemployable, overqualified, it yeah. happens. And do you sit idle or do you do something about it? And you clearly did something about it. I had to, I had no choice. I had to make a living. Yeah, I love it. Um, I hate that I, this is the end because I mean, like it, it, we we're, we're together for I mean, an hour and it just goes by so fast. So I ask everyone at the end of every conversation. And again, this is not our last conversation. I'm pulling you back in because there's definitely a lot more things that we can discuss. Um, but the last question for, for today is if you had a personal ask and a professional, a personal ask and a professional ask, so two answers to anyone that's listening, what would be your personal ask and what would be your professional ask to anyone that is listening to you today? Um, well, I, I hope I answer this correctly. I, um, my there's no wrong or wrong. There's no wrong or right answer to this. This is just your answer. Well, I, I guess my personal ask is, um, you know, to, you know, to thoughtfully look at what, what I'm doing. Um, you know, I am trying to go down a creative path and I'm always trying to evolve that path. And, you know, so understanding what that evolution has been about. Um, the professional ask, like asking the universe kind of thing, um, you know, is just to keep getting out in, you know, more and more in front of audiences and, you know, also, you know, to be able to balance the, um, you know, what I do, how long things take and, <clears throat> You know, I, I certainly have a goal for what I would like to make every year, how much I would like to sell. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I'd like to put it out there that that, that will materialize <laughs> in the coming. And, and I, and I love, well, I love both those answers. Whereas, I mean, I think that people forgot about artists during the pandemic um, and not just um, forgot, they they, sometimes, some people have taken artists for granted where when you go to the theater, when you're watching a movie, um, and then all of a sudden they're like, well, there's only old movies out there. Well, because new movies can't be made right now. We're in a pandemic. Um, when you are seeing the dancers that are not working, when, I mean, the artists of the chef, I mean, when you're going to a restaurant and there's like, I mean, you're, you're not getting that artistry of a chef creating something beautiful for you. Um, the jewelry makers, I mean, all the artists that we are, that we, have in our world people took for granted because they weren't there anymore. Um, and the creativity was on, yes, they were on TikTok and people were finding the, a different way of getting their art out because it was, it was bottled up. And I have to say at the beginning of the pandemic, I said, I go, I'm excited. And everyone's like, why are you excited? I'm like, because in 2009, all these companies and all these things came out of nowhere that we never had. And so yeah. the excitement for me being in the entrepreneurial ecosystem, I'm excited because I know the people that were trapped at home were creating and designing. Yeah. And so I cannot wait for, to see the big items that you create because they were there um, for, for all the people that I work with, all the people that I see and meet the new people. I mean, everyone had to had a time to mm. create bigger in their minds. And so I'm super excited to see what comes next for everyone. Thank you. Oh my gosh. So well, Nancy, I mean, yeah. I, I can't, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's been a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah. Oh my God. It was, it was, I mean, and, and literally we just touched on a couple subjects. Um, and it's so funny because the time just goes by fast, but you had so many great nuggets that without even me like pushing you towards an answer, you were, you, were you provided a lot of key nuggets for people to understand and to see where you're coming from. But I go, I cannot wait to engage with you a lot more. And also I definitely want to like, I want to like look at your art and it's like, I mean, I didn't just take the art because I wanted to have you on the podcast, but I mean, I really want to like purchase one of your art pieces because they're just, I like things that make me stand out. I mean, I, 
you know, like, yes, I have a large personality. Yes, I'm like, I, I bounce around like a tigger. Um, but I really do love pieces because I like you. I'm a tomboy. I've always been a tomboy. Give me, I mean, my uniform during the summer is a sport because you, if I see a tree, I'm climbing it. And I don't want a skirt to be my barrier of climbing a tree or climbing rocks. Right. Um, right. But I do love, I do. I mean, I love being a tomboy. I love my girly girl things. And I will throw on a gown and I will love my gown, but I want to have the jewelry that really speaks to Jody's personality, not yeah. just because it matches the outfit. Right, right. Good, good. So, thank you so very much, my friend. Until next time. All right. Sounds good. I look have forward to Have a great day. All right. You too. Bye. Bye.